This episode is supported by Seedlip, the world's first distilled non-alcoholic spirit. Crafted without alcohol, sugar, or calories, Seedlip spirits solve the dilemma of what to drink when you're not drinking, whether it's for the night, the month, or forever. Because as a non-drinker, it never feels good when your only options are water, soda, or sugary mocktails. So now you can skip the booze without feeling left out when it comes to your social life. Whether you prefer punchy citrus flavors, aromatic spices, or savory herbs, Seedlip offers a drink for every type of drinker. It's crafted using a bespoke process, including traditional copper distillation of botanicals. And each of Seedlip's three variants, which are Spice 94, Garden 108, and Grow 42, are alcohol-free and have their own unique flavors, which pair so perfectly with just a splash of tonic. But they can also be used to make more complex cocktails, and you'll find those in the Seedlip cocktail book or on their Instagram account at seedlip underscore na. Head on over to seedlipdrinks.com or .ca and use the promo code thisfamilytree10 for 10% off your favorite non-alcoholic spirit. This is available in the U.S. and in Canada. And again, that is seedlipdrinks.com and thisfamilytree10. Hello, everyone. I'm Alex, and I'm here with my husband, Shane. The babies are in bed, the cat is in her room, and we are so glad that you could join us for happy hour on This Family Tree Podcast, episode 116. And we have a very special guest today. We do. It is our second time actually welcoming back Sherry Torkus, who is an awesome guest. She is a holistic pharmacist and an author, and she is just so knowledgeable and shares how to, you know, keep herself healthy. We're living in the worst time. There's like flu, Rona, Omicron, Delta, the regular flu, regular cold. My kids got like asthma. What's flu, Rona? It's flu and Rona combined. And it's just, I, I, I don't know. I don't know much about it, but it exists. So she talks about medicine cabinet must-haves. And things that we can do just just to keep ourselves fit and ready to fight things the best that we can. Super knowledgeable. You need to listen to this because you will want to run to the pharmacy and uh, grab some new things for your cabinet. Exciting. It is. It is. It's so. It's actually one of the most practical interviews that we've done. It's great. Again, exciting. But Shane, you know what else is exciting? This drink. Cheers. We are doing non-alcoholic Seedlip Garden 108 and Fever Tree Cucumber because it's just a classic combo. Classic combo for an easy night. Classic combo indeed. It's good because right now I'm kind of detoxing in a sense. Oh, yeah. Off the holidays. I think we all are. And I, I went from, I think, drinking every night to drinking maybe three to four times a week. And this tricks my brain that I'm drinking alcohol right now and i like that (laughs) (laughs) it's a good thing but yeah the detox is real and you've actually been researching because we've been feeling so crummy and you have been researching why we've been feeling crummy and it all kind of ties into our livers detoxifying our butt can you like expand on that you know what's up Well, it was an article. I don't know how accurate this article is. You know, like I don't fact check and make sure it's a legit source. But what I was reading checked out with how I was feeling. And it said after the holidays, people often feel very lethargic. They have nasal problems, sinus problems. They have more boogers. I don't know. Like hard, dry boogers. Yeah, there's more of that because it's something about your liver sucking your energy out of you and (laughs) which scares your body into producing more (laughs) boogers dry boogers <laughs> what's a better word for that for boogers mucus mucus oh that seems like an oddly worse word yeah mucus is not a pleasant word okay so is it okay you know how i i'm okay with lucy saying fart yeah 
Are you okay with Lucy saying boogers? Yeah, boogers is fine. Because you don't like Lucy saying I, fart. I hate fart, Shane. I hate fart. It's a toot. And that's what we're keeping it. Okay. Don't you find fart so harsh? I like it. It's gross. It it's sounds gross. smelly. If you just say toot, it's like, oh, it was just a noise, no smell. Toot to me suggests like more air is coming out and it's stinkier somehow. <laughs> it's not it's like, a toot. toot. <laughs> no, it's like toot. It's not stinkier. Fart is stinky. End of discussion. Shane, I have a question for you. I have an answer. Can you recall the hardest time that you've ever been sacked? What does sack mean? Like in football? No, no, like uh, hit in the nuts. Foot air. to balls. Okay. Yes. Uh, and it really hurt. Like, do you have any? I think it was probably, I don't know, grade three, grade two. It was over 30 years ago, I think. It was like around 29 years ago. Well, what happened? I was, I got, I think I got, well, like uh, someone kicked me in the nuts. <laughs> like, that's prime nut kicking age, though. It is. People don't really kick in the nuts when you're older. But young people, they think it's, they could be funny. And if they're angry, they kick you in the nuts. And then you realize, like, hey, don't do that. You know, Why do you ask, though? Well, I got to say that is funny because in elementary school, as girls, my group, like all the girls in my class, we had a very small class. But if we were like playing with our guy friends and we wanted to like, if we were playing a sport and we needed a, you know, a head start or something like that, we'd be, hey, look over there. And then we'd we'd punch them in the yeah. nuts. And everybody would just laugh. And our one buddy keeled over and started throwing up one day. And we're like, oh, we need to stop this. This is serious. And then uh, we had a talking to from the teacher. But it's such a little kid thing. Anyway, I ask because I was reminded of, I would say, a quite traumatic event today when I was doing a Peloton workout. Because a part of our detox is that we are now, you know, we're getting back on the, the Peloton, getting back on the horse. And I did a 20-minute groove ride with Cody today, which was great. Amazing workout. However, he had you like go like standing up for, I don't know, 10 pedals. And then you had to go down for two pedals. Stand up, go down. Did he hit himself in the nuts? No, oh. he didn't. But I did kind of. Wait. <laughs> Sorry. Let's back it up for a second here. It, what's the implication here, Al? No. So, I haven't, like normally the lights are off when we're having romantic times. <laughs> but I don't think I've ever felt nuts down there. No, I, I hit myself in my vulva and it didn't really hurt like it only kind of stung because I hit the seat too hard when I was going down and up I kind of lost control and it reminded me of a time that was super horrific for me we used to go camping every summer as a family and we had these old rickety bikes we called them the witches bikes you probably heard my parents talk about them they love these bikes they're the witches bikes because they look like the bike that the witch is riding in Wizard of Oz yeah, that's old, what I was presuming. Yeah. yeah, old rickety things. And they are from like the 30s. So I didn't have like my own bike at this time. I was riding around the witch's bike all summer. And these, they were they were very tall. And the seats were like made of, I don't know, like hard leather or hard plasticky leather. I'm not exactly sure. But one day when I was like 12 years old, I was riding it, went over a rock and the witch's bike hit me in the vulva so hard that took my breath away. 
I threw up because of the pain and was gushing blood. Out of your vulva? Yeah. I think wow. I think it may have broken my hymen. Mm. It was a horrific experience. And then doing the thing today with Cody on that bike, I was so fearful the whole time just remembering the pain of that because it hurt for weeks, weeks. And anyway, it just Underrated. got... It got me thinking about uh, sackings. Yeah, I feel like people don't think enough about women getting hit in the vulva. Mm, it, well, you, you think you're, the clitoris is right there, and the clitoris is actually a huge... It's not just that tiny thing under the hood that you see. It, it's huge, and it kind of goes into all that, and there's so many nerve endings, and everything is, is quite kind of exposed there. So the clitoris is not a myth. <laughs> despite what you think shane oh okay i gotta talk to the fellas it's, it's there to be found all right but uh yeah it's it's very painful and it, it can be very painful and i imagine detrimental to yeah. get hit there i'm glad i'm glad it's not a game to like go in you know punch girls there well speaking of detrimental and clitorises you have another family podcast <laughs> And what I mean by detrimental <laughs> is detrimental to my mental health because I'm not co-hosting this other podcast with you. And, you know, it's a I say clitoris because it's a family body podcast, too. You discuss everything under right, the sun, right. including the women's body. There's a whole episode mm -hmm. about women's bodies. There is. So congrats on landing this new podcast with... One of my best friends, Mike, you're co-hosting this with. I know. I've been cut out of the equation, as they say. How do you feel about that? Are you, do you feel like I'm taking your spot in Mike's life a little bit? Like, what is this like for you? No, Mike is taking, <laughs> you're not taking the spot. Mike is. You can't have two dudes. Why would you go that angle? No. <laughs> it's a parenting pot. You need, and I you talk about women's bodies. You need a woman. But Mike is taking my life and my wife. Well, I just mean the friendship because now I'm like texting Mike being like, hey, Mike, like what do, what do we have on the agenda for tomorrow? You know, what are you going to ask? What angle should we take? What photos are you sending in for the press photos? Yeah, it is. Uh, it is <laughs> odd. I don't know. I hope it doesn't evolve. You know, I get an imagination of oh, all these romances when you work close with someone. <laughs> You guys are keeping it on the up and up, I like, right? I like to say working close with someone is podcasting of our own houses because we are in a lockdown. Still, you know, you know how these you see these movies and this is how it always starts. Look, Mike always gives me a big laugh when I say something, you know, funny on the podcast. But he's I, a think good he's, actor. I think he's just doing it to be nice. Yeah, me too. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. You are. You are funny, but are you enjoying that experience? Yeah, it's... Tell us a little about it. What is it? Okay, so there's a TV show coming out on January 12th. So like, it's, it's coming out this week. I think the first episode is dropping on CTV or the CTV app. And it's going to be Wednesday nights at 8. Um, What's it called? It's called Children Ruin Everything. It's a Canadian TV show. They've got season one done. And it's actually hilarious. Like, Shane, you and I watched it together and we were laughing out loud. Yeah, I think as Canadians, we're so self-hating because a yeah. lot of comedy shows have sucked so bad <laughs> in the past that this show really blew me away because it exceeded all my low expectations. And it, it's shot well. The humor isn't uncool. Mm -hmm. it, it's very on the nose. The kids act like kids. They're not like wise Alex, smart Alex. Hate they, those. They speak like Lucy, 
Mm-hmm. I feel like Lucy could play the one girl for sure. I think she could play her. And yeah, the actors in general are great. The script is great. So anyway, we are doing, myself and Mike are doing like an after show for that. So every time an episode is released on TV, we are releasing a podcast episode. So whereas the show is called Children Ruin Everything, Mike and I are doing Children Ruin Podcast. And you guys will be able to listen to that wherever you listen to podcasts. And we're just going to kind of break down the theme of the episode each week, uh, interview a guest and just kind of get into it with each other. But it's fun. Like I've never spent this much time talking to any one of your friends like in this much depth because we're going through our whole lives like childhood marriages our parenting styles and it's so it's so fun it should be called mike ruins friendships (laughs) doesn't feel good but congrats i'm very very happy for you thank you thank you next topic lucy's first sleepover she's having a sleepover coming up oh my gosh with a family member this is all we hear about it's with an eight-year-old though lose three you wanted to just shove this eight-year-old who her name is Elsie in a room with Lucy and just give them like what like this coloring book or something no or to me it's like Elsie's gonna be bored out of her mind no okay the coloring book is like for 10 minutes I'm trying to plan out so many activities in the night that by the time they're in the room doing the sleepover part they are just you know, ready to watch the movie and kind of fall asleep. What time do eight-year-olds go to bed? I have no idea. I know, Shane, I know nothing about how sleepovers are done these days. All I know is that Lucy's cousin, Elsie, is super excited for the sleepover. Lucy is, like, beyond excited. It's literally, she talks about it. All she talks about. Yeah. And I just want to make it fun. And I feel the pressure because Elsie's had lots of sleepovers. This is Lucy's first sleepover. And, you know, how cool the sleepover is or isn't ultimately reflects on Lucy. So I want to make it the coolest sleepover ever so her older cousin Elsie doesn't leave thinking, wow, Lucy sucks. It reflects on us. The parents run it. Elsie's going to be like... Shane and Alex don't know what they're doing here. No, she's going to blame Lucy in her brain. She won't be able to detach the suckiness of the sleepover from Lucy's. Well, I hope so. If it's a bust, I don't want to take the blame for it. Because some of your ideas have not been It's not going to be a bust. Like, what idea wasn't good? You wanted to have them not downstairs in the common area, right. not having a TV on. In my mind, they ha- we got to move the coffee table away, set up sleeping bags in the floor in here, have pizza and a good movie on at least to be background noise. Because who knows? Lou's used to go into bed at 530. <laughs> you can't just have Elsie <laughs> trapped up there with a three-year-old no. go- who conks out four hours earlier than she's expecting and then Elsie's feeling awkward and doesn't know if she's allowed to come downstairs at least if she's in the common area she can watch a movie move about and still not need Lucy if Lucy participates great but if she backs out early or gets too excited and adrenaline fatigue takes over (laughs) Lucy and she's just out like a light Elsie can still have fun no listen I got I got it sorted out Lucy has like a little crawl space room attached to her room we set that up as the room that you know maybe she can go into to read a book color whatever grab a snack if lou conks out early no, they have to stay in this they room. have to be upstairs that's the Why? vibe of the sleepover because you gotta be all cozy in a room and then we're i'm gonna put like little christmas lights around lucy's room and we're gonna get the projector we're gonna project on one of the walls it's gonna be so cute shane projecting out of what the PlayStation, I guess. 
Yeah. What if I want to play Toe Jam and Earl downstairs? Well, then you and I are just going to have to settle down with a movie, okay? <sighs> well, we can play NBA Jam <laughs> on my arcade machine. Okay. Yeah. I just don't want to be it to suck. That's it, it. I don't want it to suck either. And, you know, with everything going on in the world, this is what is getting me the most anxious right now. Just I want Lucy to be cool. You you have your priorities straight. Say what you will. <laughs> okay. So we're going to make it cool. And we're getting slime. We're getting slime. We got them their own Barbies. So like they're both going to open presents kind of when we first bring them to the sleepover area. And it's going to all the presents are going to be like things that they can use that night. But then also, you know, keep. Kids just love slime, though. I don't know how every single kid is fascinated by slime. It's one I, of those I, things. Well, we love Silly Putty growing up, right? Yeah. I love slime growing up. But I was never really allowed to have it. But I didn't know slime existed when we were young. Boys, toys always had slime involved there was always like get this toy and then you get a slime pack and the slime went over the toy so the parent would always buy the toy but never the slime element and the dream was to get the slime element but what the parents knew was the slime gets all crusty and essentially ruins the toy so parents really never bought it unless it was really cool parents what was your favorite toy growing up I had a My Pet Monster. Oh. Actually, Tiff had that. It's more like a stuffed animal that just wears handcuffs, but it was my favorite. <laughs> it sounds <laughs> Yeah, it sounds hilarious. more like freaky than it is in real life. But I love the cartoon. It was the coolest looking stuffy because although it's still a stuffed animal, it had a, a hard nose and like really sharp teeth. And it was actually kind of terrifying and looked like a real life version of the My Pet Monster cartoon Mm -hmm. also teddy ruxpin again it's teddy ruxpin i think was like a cartoon but it came out with the coolest toy you put a cassette in his back and he reads a story to you and his jaw moves that's so cute so it felt like you have a new friend and it's a bear that's awesome yeah it was it was very cool sega genesis was obviously like an amazing toy but that's for when i was like 12 i don't know what about you well, I was telling you earlier today about these awesome Lego sets. We'd get like massive things like shipwrecks and stuff like that. And those were so fun. But I really, really loved Polly Pockets. Loved them. And I had so many, like from little tiny ones to like massive Polly Pockets that were like entire castles. And then my brother had like boy Polly Pockets for Batman and like, you know, all this stuff. And oh, then I didn't know they made male Polly Pockets. Mm-hmm. What do they call the male Polly Pockets? I have no idea. <laughs> Paul's pockets. Killer pockets. <laughs> but uh, we'd have pockets. our like Polly Pocket, you know, people play with each other. And sometimes a princess would get stuck in like the gargoyle dungeon and my brothers. And it was just, yeah, it was fun. I loved them. I'm trying to think of other toys I liked. Tamagotchi. That was so classic for me. I, <laughs> I loved like you said that. Tamagotchi. <laughs> I loved that thing. And I had several. And they were just they meant so much to us like at school we'd leave them with our babysitter and she would feed them and make sure they pooped like clean up the poop and everything for us while we were at school during the day we really worked hard to keep those things alive legos i'm surprised a little bit that you got into them jake seems like the personality to do that i'm extra surprised that you thought there was even a possibility that i would play with lego (laughs) like you know me can you imagine my parents giving me lego and me pulling out the instructions and following it. 
See, I am so excited for Lucy and, and Betty, but Lucy's first to get to the age where we can start building Lego stuff together. Are you going to be helpful if I'm like, Shane, put these ones here? Can you at least, can this be a family activity? Because this in my mind is so a part of the parenthood that I want to do. You know the game Grand Theft Auto? Yes. You know how there's a way to play it where you actually follow the storyline and there's missions and you're supposed to do what you're told? <laughs> yeah. I played Grand Theft Auto where I just run around killing people, going, <laughs> murdering police officers. Of course. You, did you do that? That's the only way I played it. Exactly. And that's what I did with Lego. Wait, <laughs> no, I obviously <laughs> wasn't killing people with Lego, but I was just making the Lego in any which way I wanted to and yeah. not following a map or how you're supposed to build a pirate ship. I would just stack it any which way. But that's, but that's the beauty of Lego. You know, you could take all these pieces and make something super incredible and let's not get it twisted i wasn't making anything incredible i was just stacking them up in the dumbest <laughs> well, no, way possible. i mean like you can make the the shipwreck or fairy castle whatever that's incredible or you can stack them up and make a high tower and leave it at that and that's so much fun it was not fun i was bored out of my mind i do not like lego i don't like kids who play with lego i don't like lego being on the ground i don't like stepping on lego as a parent or child i hate lego equally well, I hope that you can get into it a little bit when uh, Lucy's old enough. We'll see. Oh, we get this actually in Toys R Us. I was walking around the other day trying to like get toys for this fun sleepover. Uh, and I was looking at the Lego kits just because I was curious. And they all say that the ages that they're for. And then I saw Winnie the Pooh one. The Winnie the Pooh Lego kit was the only one that said this. 18 plus. That's weird. Isn't that weird? That sounds freaky. Like we were talking about My Pet Monster. 18 plus on a Lego kit. For it's, Winnie the yeah. Pooh. Yeah. Like why couldn't a really advanced 13 year old do it? Really? You need to be 18 or over to do this Winnie the Pooh one? Like it, there must be, like it's it's a Disney Lego thing. Like there, it can't say anything explicit or. Yeah. You know. That's what they would call a weird flex. It is a weird flex I yeah. would say. Yeah. Um, I was looking at my notes here. Okay, if you had to give up one thing this year, what would it be? What would you give up? I couldn't think of anything either. <laughs> Honestly, there's nothing in my life that I want to give up. Like, I was, I was telling you right before this podcast, we were watching Vanderpump Rules and, you know, some people are partying, some people are, are doing a dry spell, like dry On January. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of people we know are, are doing things like that. And I was like, you know what? That's fine for a period of time. Like, we kind of did that leading up to Christmas. But I wouldn't ever say, you know what, I want to give up alcohol this year. I want to give up chocolate this year, cupcakes, whatever. Those things make me happy. We take them all in moderation. And, you know, if I want a cupcake, I'm going to have a cupcake. If I want to have a whiskey on ice, I'm going to have a whiskey on ice. And I like that freedom that makes me feel good. I have nothing I want to give up right now. Me either. I couldn't think of anything. It just sounded like a good question, so I wrote it down. <laughs> I thought you might spark something good for me. But okay, let's say you have to give up something. It's not something you want to give up. Gun to head, what do you give up? I can only think of one thing. Okay, I'll say mine. This is not something I want to give up. Sparkling water. <laughs> we probably should a yeah, little bit. Yeah, we should. If it was gun to head, though, that is something I think that I could deal without although we did go through like a two-week period where we didn't have any and it just always felt like something was missing in my life it did but i'm wondering if we maybe switched to a soda stream soda stream i feel like we won't stick with we bought your mom one or someone did your mom yeah, just never did. stuck with it and i think 
we would be the same as your mom. Because it's just not easy, right? You have to like make it every single time. Whereas with sparkling water cans, you just do that. But then it's hard because then we're trying to be live more green and eco-conscious. And then we're, you know, using all these cans. And that is, uh, that's a dilemma. Yeah, I just learned that can't, apparently nothing you throw in that recycling bin. It's all a big illusion. Yeah. Like maybe 20% <laughs> of it actually gets recycled. But 100% of you feels like you're saving the planet by putting things in the bin. It's it's tough to be and, human. And cans are one of the worst things because apparently, and I learned this in a, a recent, like well, an interview we've done in the last six months, but there's different kinds of aluminum that are used to make the can. So it's really hard to separate. So the cans end up in the landfills. Yeah. Maybe we try to chill out with as many cans because I'm not proud to admit this, but I've had days where I've gone six cans deep. <laughs> I probably had an eight can day in my life. You definitely do. I think a lot of days have six cans. Okay, what? Well, why are you looking at me? You don't look in the mirror. It's right behind you. <laughs> you don't do that? I think, yeah, I think maybe four can days is my average. You think I do way more? Yeah. I need to stay hydrated, okay? <laughs> you know I'm working on that Peloton more than you, not we to call you out. Get out of here. You you did yesterday and I, what I did not do yesterday. I started. I'm saying in general. Let's not go by a two-day increment. Well, hey, we're just starting I looked at up your right, profile. Shane. Okay. New year, new I'm not guilty workout you. existence. Okay, but let's go to Sherry Torkis. But before we do that, let's tell everyone who we are supported by. We are supported by Bravado Designs. They make the best bras that you can get your hands on. I was introduced to them when I was first pregnant with Lucy, and Shane brought one home for me. And it was just the most practical and comfortable and easy to use nursing bra. I typically hate those things and I swear by Bravado Designs. But now as I'm kind of, you know, closing my nursing journey with my second, I'm really excited because they have an everyday collection. So the same comfort that I love, the same shape that I love without, you know, the clip off straps because I'm not going to nurse a baby with my boobs. So I get to keep those things in there. They're amazing. Take my word for it. If you don't believe me, check out any reviews that you find online. I found some on well.ca and they had a 4.8 out of like 30,000 reviews, which is insane. But check out the nursing bras at bravadodesigns.com or head to the Canadian website to check out the everyday collection at ca.bravadodesigns.com. But regardless of which website you go to, use the promo code thisfamilytreat for 20% off. That's huge. Again, that is bravadodesigns.com and thisfamilytreat20. And now let's get to our interview with Sherry. I hear you loud and clear. It's good. And, and so is your, your hubby joining us too? No, he's not. He is trying to finish putting the kids to bed because <laughs> <laughs> Lucy is keeping us going right now. So uh, and it's, how old uh, is she? Three and a half. That is a very busy age. I remember it clearly. Oh my goodness. Oh my God. Yeah, how, many, how many kids do you have? I just have one, okay. one boy. I mean, he's 11 now and he's so mature and I loved all ages and stages, but I remember like, it's just so much easier now. Um, now I get some attitude, but at three and a half, yeah, it's, you can't take your eyes because they're still getting into trouble. It's nuts. Wait, so when yeah. did it get easier for you, Sherry? Well, okay. My son, uh, by the time he was five, much easier. And then, That's good. That's and good. then only two years. Uh, yeah. And then five to uh, eight were really good. Yeah. And then eight to nine, we start to see a little bit more. They want to be more independent and more. Uh, the last two years, 
he acts like a teenager right now. Like he acts like he's 16. I believe it. Whenever, honestly, because I teach and when I go into uh, elementary schools, I'm shocked. It rarely because I like to stick around in high school. But I'm shocked at how old these kids act sometimes. I'm like, give it a break. You guys have so much time to develop that attitude. I keep telling him, be a kid and have fun and don't get caught up with wanting to like, they, they watch YouTube, TikTok, they learn too much and things that aren't good. Mm. No, I hear that. I, that. That's a whole other conversation too about yes. boundaries and things that I, again, yeah. always love getting mom's opinions and just insights who are at that stage because I have no idea how I'm going to handle it. And I find that terrifying. Like I find that whole stage terrifying. It is because you don't know what's ahead and you don't know every kid's different. So you have two, right? Mm-hmm. One and a half and three and a half. Yeah. So you're in the really busy stage for another at least two years. When they start going to school, I think because they learn so much in school in terms mm-hmm. of conforming to what the group is doing and rules and boundaries, it's easier when they're at three and a half. There's still so much that and one and a half. Oh, my goodness. And they're helping each other be naughty like today. The one and a half year old decided she was going to, for the first time, push a chair and actually try to steal cookies. Like, I didn't even know that she's ever had a cookie. And then Lucy, the older one, she goes over and she gets a cookie because the baby can't reach. And she goes, don't stand on the chair and then gives her a cookie. And I'm like, yeah, you're not even allowed to have cookies right now. I know. I know. They're in it together. It's kind of cute, though. So I can't. It's cute. It's funny, (laughs) but it's almost like, yeah, I remember when my son was a about a year and a half and he learned how to crawl out of his crib. Mm-hmm. He was so proud of himself. And I was like, ah, it's a whole new thing now because I no longer can trust if he's in his room that I can be in the basement doing yeah. laundry. Yeah. I was nervous of him going down the stairs and stuff. So, mm-hmm. Oh, Lucy is still in a crib. She yeah. can crawl out. She doesn't like to, cause she doesn't like getting hurt, but she is still in a crib and I don't plan to move her out until I have to, but everything's hard and what is making it harder for us right now too is we have been cycling through illnesses and sherry this is what i'm super excited to talk to you about today this is what we're discussing kids sickness in winter cabinet medical cabinet must-haves things like that honestly we have been dealing with illness since mid-october since mid-october somebody's been sick in my house i have somehow gotten past it. I'm the only one who hasn't been touched. But the baby's getting sick again after a week of feeling good. And it is exhausting. It makes everything so much harder. Well, kids at that age typically get like eight to 12 colds or flu a year. Do they really? Yeah. Yeah, No, kids do get frequent colds and infections. And a big part of it is that they put their hands in their mouths a lot. They're playing. They don't wash their hands very well. Even I can tell you as a moment of 11 year old, I hear, I say, go wash your hands. He's in and out in five seconds. And I'm like, there's no way go back, wash your hands. So they, you know, the poor hand hygiene, they're coughing and sneezing and they're close together and playing. And so it's really tricky. But I know from talking to uh, a lot of parents that are, uh, have kids at, at my son's school they have been constant runny noses, congestion. And in the era of COVID, it's it's been really tough because the minute a child has a symptom, they get screened, they have to go home, they have to self-isolate, they have to get tested. It's, it's just a big uh, headache, extra work. It is such 
a headache. It is such a headache, honestly. And it really is tough because now, you know, I have my baby sick and I'm trying to keep Lucy away from her because she's the one in daycare and I don't want her getting sent home and have to take off work to get tested because it's money at that point too if I'm missing work and if I'm still having to pay for her daycare fees and she's not there. Like it's it's a lot. So eight, you said eight to 12 cold yeah, or which, you know, the different studies are showing in that neighborhood, eight to 12 infections a year and a greater number with the little ones. So the little ones that are in daycare, because their immune systems are not fully developed, Mm -hmm. right? And how our immune system develops is being exposed to different things. And we start to mount responses to rhinovirus, influenza, coronavirus. I mean, aside from the, the, what the coronavirus, the SARS-CoV-2 that's going around now, there have been coronaviruses going around for a hundred years or longer. So our bodies have been exposed to other coronaviruses and they think that's why certain people seem to have a uh, more robust uh, immune response and do better. Mm-hmm. Whereas other people tend to get very sick. So the health of your immune system is really important and looking at ways that you can strengthen your defenses. I mean, yes, social distancing, washing your hands, wearing masks, all of that helps. But what I tell families is you really need to look at your lifestyle because the strength and the health of your immune system is largely dependent on what you do on a daily basis. Are you eating healthy, getting enough rest, even regular exercise is important for the immune system. And as a holistically oriented pharmacist, I do believe in using supplements to complement what's happening in your your diet and your lifestyle. Okay, so in regards to supplements, if you eat a balanced, and I'm not speaking for myself because I have not been eating a balanced, you know, I, I, I just, it's been terrible because I'm running myself ragged. So if you did though, and like I used to, and like my kids do, my kids eat healthier than I do at this point, do you still need to supplement if you're, you know, looking at the food groups, getting everything in there? Should we still be supplementing, especially in the winter? Well, theoretically, if you ate a really healthy diet, lots of fruits and vegetables, food in its natural form or as close to it as possible, you may be able to get enough of the basic vitamins and minerals right. in your diet. But there are certain things that it become very difficult to get. For example, vitamin D. Mm-hmm. most North Americans are not getting enough vitamin D because during the colder winter months, we spend more time indoors. We're not walking around in shorts or bathing suits. So our, our bodies are covered with, with clothing. Maybe our face and, and neck is exposed, but you have to have a good portion of your body exposed to natural sunlight for like 10 minutes or so to get even a, a minimum amount. So I do recommend vitamin D supplements for most people. They're affordable. They're safe. Vitamin C, we take vitamin C along with our vitamin D. We eat a healthy diet. My son eats berries every single day, strawberries, blueberries, blackberries. I try to buy the organic pesticide-free. We eat citrus and things like that. But there's so many things that can deplete vitamin C from your body, stress, pollution, for people that are taking medications such as um, oral contraceptives or other drugs, they can deplete vitamin C. So I think there's a lot of reasons why of of vitamin C during the winter months when our immune system health is so important, it maybe take a supplement of vitamin C as well. I have a question about that, about what you said about things depleting vitamin C. I've never heard that. And as a stressed out person, how does stress impact the vitamin C levels in my body? Yeah, stress actually depletes and uses up your vitamin C because vitamin C is a very important antioxidant that helps to scavenge free radicals 
in our system. And when we're stressed, we generate more free radicals. So stress is a depleter of antioxidants like vitamin C. Also people that smoke that can deplete their vitamin C levels and certain medications, as I mentioned, uh, oral contraceptives or birth control pills that can also deplete vitamin C. And, and generally vitamin C is very well tolerated. So it's, it's not essential for everybody, but if you have picky eaters, you know, I know there are some kids. In fact, I remember my, my, my son having a friend over one time and I said to him, so what, what kind of fruits and vegetables do you like? Didn't like anything. He liked regular lettuce and carrots and that was it. <laughs> and so, okay, he's getting a little beta carotene, but uh, you know, regular lettuce, we're not getting a whole lot of nutrients in there. And some kids are very picky and they go through stages. So maybe a multivitamin that has some vitamin C and D would be a good idea. Uh, for adults, there's a form of ester C that I take myself that I like. It's easy on the stomach. It's called ester C. It's a buffered mm-hmm. vitamin C and it's highly bioavailable. So that's a good one. And they have chewables and tablets and things like that. So vitamin C and D are, are important. And then I would look specifically at something that can play a role in protecting against cold and flu mm-hmm. and uh, echinacea in particular, something that's very good for both children and adults. Okay. I want, so growing up and like in adulthood, whenever, you know, I'd start to get a scratchy throat, stuffy nose, my parents would be like, zinc and echinacea right now. And then I'd go in the bathroom, I'd take a zinc, take an echinacea. I don't even have those in my house right now. I just thought, oh, this is just like my parents, you know, thing. Your parents sound very wise. Were they holistic oriented? <laughs> no. <laughs> No, not really. Um, but they but, know enough to have that on hand. That's good. Yes, yes. So what age can can we give that to our kids? Yeah, so echinacea can be taken. I mean, there was a, a clinical study done in a pediatric population. So children ages 4 to 12. Actually, children 2 and above can take echinacea, certain types of echinacea. It's always good to check, have, you know, check with your doctor. Mm-hmm. Certain people have to be careful if they have autoimmune diseases. But generally speaking, for otherwise healthy uh, kids and adults, echinacea, anywhere from two to four and above is fine. Um, but this one pediatric study, and this got a lot of attention because they looked at the value of a specific type of echinacea for preventing colds and flu in kids. And it was a uh, wild organic echinacea purpurea. It's made by a Swiss company uh, called the Echinoforce. And what they did in this study is they gave it to them for the four month duration. And they looked at incidents of cold and flu symptoms, symptom severity, and then also complications of cold and flu, because as, as you know, and maybe have experienced with your own children, sometimes they get a cold and that cold can get out of control and lead to a secondary infection, a sinusitis, a bronchitis, a pneumonia. We call those complications. And when those things happen, it's more concerning. It's more days off work for the parent, days off for the kid, longer duration of sickness, and then sometimes a need for antibiotics. Yeah. It's not that the virus turns into a bacteria. People say to me, well, did the virus turn it like the cold turn into a bacterial infection? Why am I getting antibiotics? No, but sometimes when you're, the virus is attacking your body or immune system becomes weakened and you become predisposed to developing these secondary infections. So what they found in this study is that giving the echinophores throughout cold and flu season, not only, I think it was like a 30 some odd percent reduction in incidence of cold and flu, 
but there was less complications, like significantly in the neighborhood of 60 some odd percent. That's amazing. But the big finding, which was exciting for me as a pharmacist, was over 75% reduced need for antibiotics. Okay. And that's huge. That is huge. And I want I want to backpedal a little bit because I have a lot to talk about antibiotics because we just finished a bunch of that in our house. But you mentioned free radicals. That just makes me think of the musical group, new radical. What what are free radicals? So free radicals are our unstable molecules in our body that we generate through normal body processes. For example, breathing, eating, exercise. Our body generates these free radicals. Think of them as unstable uh, molecules running around your body, and they can do damage and it cause inflammation and disease if they're left unchecked. But our body has antioxidants mm-hmm. that bind to and neutralize the free radicals and render them harmless. So you can see that if there is an imbalance in that equation, if you have too many free radicals, not enough antioxidants, the free radicals can cause damage, inflammation, weakening of your immune system, delayed healing time. For example, people that are endurance athletes or super athletes that do tons of exercise, well, yeah, that's really healthy, but those people need to eat more antioxidant rich foods and take supplements because they're generating more free radicals. And if they don't take care of that, they can get weakness and damage and even a suppressed immune system. Mm -hmm. Okay. And did you have, you made some recommendations for adult supplements and echinacea as well, but is there a multivitamin or a supplement that you would recommend for children? I, yeah, I do recommend. I mean, there's a lot of good supplement brands uh, that you can check out. I mean, some of the ones that we take, uh, Sisu, and Natural Factors, uh, any of the Whole Foods when Nature's Made has has good um, multivitamins and nutrients mm-hmm. and things like that. What I would suggest is staying away from some of the cartoon branded vitamins. Dang it, the Flintstones. What's I'm not going to say brand, I'm not going to say anything bad about specific <laughs> brands. However, what I will say is I know it's hard because the kids tend to gravitate to the ones that are characters they can identify mm-hmm. with. You have to read your labels because when you read the ingredients, what you want to avoid are food dyes, artificial chemicals, colorings. For example, some children's chewable multivitamins are colored with natural fruit juices like beet and cherry and things like that. And then some are colored with FDNC red number 40, which is a food dye, which can actually affect kids' behavior. So I always believe in when you're choosing a vitamin, look for a clean vitamin. You don't have to spend a fortune. So there's lots of good ones you can find at CVS, Walgreens, wherever you're shopping that have you know good quality vitamins and nutrients that are affordable, but mm-hmm. without the junk and the fillers. Okay, that's so good to know. And you know, when speaking about echinacea, you said unless you're you've you're immunocompromised in some way. I'm immunocompromised. I have lupus. I remember, yes. Yes. And both daughters were born with lupus, um, neonatal lupus, and it they grow out of it. And last we checked at Betty's blood work, she still had some of my antibodies in her system. I think by this point she should be good, but like I don't know if they're going to get it, when that would happen. It's weird because there are so few studies done that they can't even say if it is hereditary or not, right? So it, it, it's really tough and that makes me nervous, but what can it do or how can that negatively impact somebody with an immunocompromised disease? Well, so when, when it comes to echinacea, because it's 
it has modulating effects on the immune system, but it also can boost the immune system and increase it and enhance the immune system activity. So the concern, if somebody has an, an autoimmune disease, mm-hmm. potentially by taking something that triggers and ramps up your immune system, it could cause possibly a, um, like a breakthrough or a, like a flare about, up. Yeah. A flare up. Exactly. That's the word I was looking at yeah. a flare up. So I would just say that before you take something like that, if you have an autoimmune condition, check with your doctor or pharmacist, because everybody's situation is different. Myself, I have an autoimmune disease, celiac disease, right? Okay, kept in control, I eat gluten free, my son does as well. I take the echinacea, no problem, never had a, an issue with it. But I think it's one of those things where you do have to be careful. Generally speaking, it's pretty safe. And, mm-hmm. and you know, people will take it throughout cold and flu season. But it's always good to check. And especially, too, when you're um, buying supplements, even drugs over the counter, if you have congestion, runny nose, a lot of the remedies that you'll find in the pharmacy, the, fu- the, the, the writing on the side panel, the, the side effects is very tiny and hard to read. Mm-hmm. And it, some of these side effects can be very concerning, especially for little ones. Yeah. You know, speaking of side effects, so we haven't really experienced any, but starting mid-October, Lucy, the three and a half year old, she, she's been potty trained for a year, right? Like perfect nighttime, everything. She went through a bout of constipation. When she was constipated, we saw, what's the word? Not protrusion. Um, like we saw her rectum coming out of her butthole. Yeah. What's that called? Prolapse. It was prolapsing. A bit of a prolapse, mm-hmm. yeah. And we think that something tore or she injured it somehow um, when she was going because then the the constipation then led to like a severe pain whenever she would go and then she just got terrified of going on the potty at all. So she held it in. And in her holding everything and she gave herself a bladder infection. It was a really bad bladder infection. So we did, you know, a full course of this really tough like compound. It was an antibiotic compound that we had to like go to a specialty pharmacy for and everything. Then she was off it for a week. The following week had a double really bad ear infection. So then had to go back on antibiotics for a week. And that's a lot for one kid. And I've given both of them probiotics. I didn't give her probiotics at that time, but she was eating a lot of yogurt and things like that. But should I have been giving her probiotic? Is that something I should do all the time? And what else can I do during a phase like that when she's being heavily medicated? Well, there's two different theories. Some people say, wait until the antibiotics are done, but sometimes by the time the antibiotics are done, the side effects are already kicking in the antibiotic associated diarrhea Uh, The antibiotics deplete the normal beneficial flora. Some children will get yeast infections or diaper rash in the little ones, oral thrush. I typically recommend probiotics during the antibiotics and for at least a month after, but to separate the time that you give them. Mm -hmm. So by a couple of hours, the number one side effect with antibiotics is diarrhea. And that occurs because the antibiotic is killing the bad bacteria, but also the good bacteria and then um, the bad bacteria can grow and it can cause that. And then you become into a, this bit of a vicious yeah. uh, cycle, just like with what you experienced too, with her having um, the prolapse, the rectal prolapse, and then it becomes painful. And because it's painful, she doesn't want to go to the bathroom and then she holds it in and then it leads to headaches and bloating and, and she got a UTI and all these other things. So 
an antibiotic regularly would be a good idea because that helps with both constipation and diarrhea. Probiotic. A probiotic, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Probiotic, <laughs> yeah. Probiotic, I mean. The one that I give my son, it's uh, called Chiodophilus. And I like that one because it's stable at room temperature. It doesn't have to be refrigerated. Mm-hmm. And it That's contains uh, a combination of bacteria called the friendly trio. And so it's three particular species of bacteria that have been clinically studied and shown to offer a wide range of benefits for optimizing digestion, gut health. And it's a chewable, it's a vanilla flavored chewable tablet. So my son takes that every day. It's part of his supplement regime, takes the vitamin C, the vitamin D, the echinacea, the probiotics. (laughs) And, you know, and then if he gets sick, which happens, you know, he's only had congestion twice this year. Then, you know, I get into, I have a a nasal spray that he uses. It's betadine, betadine nasal spray. And you're probably familiar with betadine. They have the ointments and the antibiotics for, or the um, antiseptic spray, but the betadine um, nasal spray is really good for congestion, runny nose. And then it also helps um, as well therapeutically to help trap and disable the viruses. That's a good one to keep in the medicine cabinet as well. Okay. Because it helps with both Yeah, the symptoms and then trapping the viruses and preventing them because a lot of the bugs enter our body through the nasal passages. Really? Mm-hmm. That's even, even with COVID that's the main port of entry. And that's why when you go for COVID testing, they're typically swabbing your nasal passages because that's where the virus usually enters, not so much the most it enters through the nose and then it multiplies and goes into your, your lungs and hits your system hard. So if you can, the betadine, I'm not saying for COVID, I'm saying more for colds mm-hmm. because rhinoviruses, that's where the betadine has really been. Um, the betadine has been studied for is for colds. Okay. So I want to ask you, I know a, I, I don't really know her. She's an acquaintance from a long time ago and I've kept her around on Facebook for the, mainly for the entertainment, you know, a uh, big Q and honor things like that. So it's it has been entertaining, but she recently gave birth and through her pregnancy, because uh, of, of course she's a COVID denier, uh, but through her pregnancy, she was talking about the benefits of, col- pardon me if I get these wrong, please correct me, colloidal silver, and I wrote it down, chlorine dioxide, which I think is a type of like bleach, essentially. And she was taking these things throughout her pregnancy to protect her from so-called COVID, whatever, in her words. So I wanted to ask you what those things are. And if there is anybody on that listens to this podcast that is thinking, oh, maybe I want to try these other methods. I just want to get an idea of what they are. And I'm assuming they're dangerous. (laughs) So I'd I'd like to get your take. Yeah, there's, you know, here's the thing. A lot of things are being promoted for COVID with uh, that have you know, quasi science or no science, uh, bleach or chlorine dioxide. No, I would not take that at all. There was a, uh, somebody that was promoting, uh, drinking bleach a long time ago yep. too. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, would not recommend any of that nonsense and even chloroquine, hydroxychloroquine, the malaria drug, is not been I found. take that for lupus. Yeah, not been found beneficial for COVID. No. Nope, nope. Keep it for the, the autoimmune diseases and malaria. When it was going crazy on the market and everybody was getting it, I'm like, guys, I need this to just like survive day to day. Don't, 
you know? Yeah. Don't, don't take it from necessary. Yeah. And you know, there, there's a lot of crazy things. Now, when it comes to the colloidal silver, I don't know if they have any studies right now on COVID. I would have to look into that, but I do know that colloidal silver does have antiviral, antibacterial, and antifungal properties, but I have not seen or heard of any reliable evidence, whether it's test tube or human studies showing that it's beneficial for COVID. So I will say that, uh, but, uh, you know, again, it does have colloidal silver to help protect them against other colds and things like that, other infections. Topically silver um, is used, we use it, uh, there's a cream that we use in the pharmacy that has silver in it that is used for treating burns. Uh, there's a colloidal silver first aid gel, a company called Sovereign Silver makes a first aid gel that uh, we keep on hand if we get a burn, but uh, I would not be taking it for, for those other purposes at this point. Mm-hmm. And um, in regards to pregnancy too, because this woman was pregnant during this even scarier well that's the thing like so many things even makeup they say oh don't take this when you're pregnant and then I think of something like that well a lot of things can be you know you you take them orally they can pass on to the baby that's why we don't drink alcohol when we're pregnant or women shouldn't uh even sunscreens you have to be careful because certain chemical sunscreens have shown up in the breast milk and can be passed on to the baby I'm pretty adamant about wearing natural sunscreen. So we do a zinc titanium sunscreen. We use uh, goddess garden organics or badger sunscreens. There's some other good brands as well, zinc and um, titanium. They lay on the surface of the, the skin. They reflect the rays. They don't get absorbed much safer for children, for pregnancy. Yeah. Those, and it's, it's the whole sunblock versus sunscreen difference too, right? Right. That's Um, right. There's actually a great list put out in the spring or in the summer listing all of the big brands who exceeded like the far exceeded the FDA recommendations or something, I guess not FDA, but some recommendations for what was safe. So many huge brands like Banana Boat, whatever, they did not fall in the safe category. It, yeah, if you can go to, I think it's the Environmental Working Group, they have a good list as well. So I would check that out. Yeah, you have to be really careful. Uh, you know, as a parent, I am even more cautious. I'm cautious about what I eat, what I put on my skin, what I put in my body. But that times 100 when it comes to my son, I look at every single ingredient of, you know, things that I purchase, and I try to keep it as clean as possible. You know, the the other one of the other things uh, that I wanted to mention to your your listeners, a medicine cabinet must have. And although we don't think of head lice as being an issue because people are supposed to be social distancing, it is still an issue. I'm hearing from some parents that their kids have gotten head lice at school because they are they're wearing masks, but they're still playing together. They're together outside, and I, a lot of parents are shocked and horrified when they find out that some of the lice treatments when many of them contain pesticides really many of the leading brands of head lice treatments the active ingredients are pesticides is there a way to get rid of head lice without pesticide (laughs) yes thankfully there is uh yeah i know isn't that horrifying i think people go and they in the pharmacy and they see a head lice treatment and they would just think okay it's a treatment for head lice you could not even fathom that it's a pesticide but that's what I would say over three quarters of them are pesticide based. Mm -hmm. The one that I have on hand, thankfully we've never had head lice. My son though has long hair, not as long as mine, but a shoulder length. 
And uh, there's a product called NIDA, it's N-Y-D-A, NIDA, and it is non-pesticide. It smothers the lice, kills them at any stage in their development. So whether it's the egg or the, the larva, which is the nymph stage or the adult, I know. <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't hear, think about yeah, so them you, without you getting the willies. Put the solution on and then you let it sit, you comb it through, you do the nitpicking and then you leave it on for eight hours with, you can put a little shower cap on or whatever. The child can wait for eight hours or have it overnight and then you wash it out the next day. But it is a hundred percent effective if used properly. So you have to put it on and use it properly. But the good thing is with, with the NIDA, there's no scalp irritation, no right. resistance as well. Cause we were talking earlier about antibiotics and how concerning it is when children have to take antibiotics, not only do they get side effects, but there's a risk of resistance. The more we take antibiotics, the, the drugs lose their efficacy. The bugs get stronger. Same has been happening with head lice. The bugs are getting stronger than the drugs. So even uh, parents that were using these chemical pesticides were finding that they would do the treatment and it didn't work. And they'd have to do it again a week later. And then the child gets a red scalp and irritation. There's always, you know, concerns about neurotoxicity as well. So, you know, as a holistically oriented pharmacist, I'm pretty adamant about not using a pesticide lice treatment. All right, Sherry, let's take a quick break and let our listeners know who we're supported by. We are supported by Mini Miage. They're a premium, organic, ethically made and sustainable kids and babies clothing company founded and created in Toronto. Mini Miage believes in quality over quantity and they make, I am telling you, the best basics for your littles. Fashionable wardrobe staples that are soft, comfy, and timeless and can be passed from child to child regardless of gender. Their organic cotton fabrics are knit and dyed locally using GOTS certified organic cotton and low-impact, non-toxic dyes. Mini Miosh is on a mission to leave the planet better off for our little ones than when they arrived on it, and they believe that every little bit counts. So you can find the company online at minimiosh.com or at minimiosh on Instagram and Facebook. And if you use the promo code thisfamilytree15, you're getting 15% off of your order. This is available in Canada and in the US. And again, that is minimiosh.com and this family tree 15. But we are also supported by True Earth. If you listen to our podcast, you know Shane and I are trying to reduce our environmental footprint. It's something that we've taken on and are trying to get really serious about. And one way we're doing this is through eliminating single-use plastics in our household. But with two kids and lots of laundry between the four of us, our laundry room has become a plastic detergent bottle graveyard. So we discovered True Earth Eco Strips a few months ago and have not looked back. The detergent comes in pre-measured soluble strips, which you simply rip apart. Maybe you want to double up for a big stinky load and you put them in your washer. It is so easy. And the best part, obviously, no plastic. The packaging is so compact. And because of that, it actually makes our laundry room super tidy. Plus, as a family with kids who have really sensitive skin, we go for the baby detergent. It's fragrance-free, gentle on everybody's skin, and is so tough on dirt. Our clothes come out smelling great and crispy clean. So check out True Earth Detergent at true.earth and use the promo code thisfamilytree10 to get 10% off your order. You will love this product. Take my word for it. Again, that is true.earth and thisfamilytree10. And now let's get back to our interview with Sherry. See, I had I had lice a couple times as a kid. And I remember because it was going around my school and we had a really small, tight-knit school, brought it home, gave it to everybody in my family at my house and 
I just, oh my God, my mom talking about it now, like just the stress that she was under during that time. Oh my goodness. It was, it's horrible. Think of, think of how busy it is now when you have yeah. two young ones that are sick with colds and then the head lice, it's a huge stress because it, it can affect everybody. And then you have to, all the personal things that they've come in contact with have to be bagged or washed mm-hmm. laundered and hot. So be water vacuuming furniture. And it's, it's a whole, uh, event. Okay. We, I'm, I have tried not to think about this or talk about this, but I did recently kind of on the podcast, we stayed in a hotel. We went like, I called it camping. Cause it was, it was hardly a hotel, but we went to this hotel with the family about a month ago. I, the only one again in this situation, but I woke up with pretty sure bed bug bites all over me. And we went through that whole thing of bagging everything up, not bringing things in the house. It was, it's horrific. It's horrific. And life, lice can be a horrific experience and traumatic because those things jump, right? Is that true? No, they actually, they, they don't jump or fly to know, but they, they, they move fast though. And, and they do move very fast. So all it takes is one head next to the act, then another child, or you know how kids are sharing hats or their if their lockers are close to school, they grab the wrong hat. Little girls love to get together, comb each other's hair, and they share headbands and things like that. So you have to really talk to them about the importance of not doing those things, not sharing mm-hmm. those objects, brushes, combs, things like that. If they have long hair, you know, braid it or tie it back so that it's not you know, out mm-hmm. there and possibly coming in contact with other kids. No, it's huge. I, it, it really does. It freaks me out so much. And yeah, <laughs> you have to watch it. And there's lots of myths, just like we were talking yeah. about all the good myths with treatments. There's a lot of myths about head lice treatments too. Uh, I heard from one parent who said um, she heard that lice didn't like oily hair. So she was only washing her daughter's hair once a week. I thought they liked and- oily hair. Yeah. So, and you hear both, both theories and the reality is lice don't discriminate. They don't care. They don't care whether your hair is oily or your scalp is oily or freshly cleaned. They're looking for a human host to suck your blood. <laughs> so, and it's really, when you see the blow up image of an, of a, a louse, that's what they do. They just, they go into the scalp yeah. and they burn and they put, you know, and then they extract the oh. blood and that's how they, they feed and survive. Nasty little things. See, we could live without lice and mosquitoes. And I think the whole world would be better off for it. I'll throw bed bugs in there too. I, you know, you wonder, I always tell my son, like, cause he's like, what's the purpose of mosquitoes? Right. Or things that bite and sting. And I'm like, well, it's part of the circle of life. But when it comes to head lice, I don't know what purpose they serve. I don't know if they're food for anything else other than an irritants for families. <laughs> I truly, I truly think that. And, you know, talking about other remedies and things like that, one thing that I really do want to talk about, especially being in cold and flu season, cough medicines. Because I know, especially with the age that my kids are, everything is homeopathic. Like, you know, because the, they can't have something that's not, but especially for Betty, the one and a half year old, is there anything that you recommend specifically for the one year old and then the three year old for cough symptoms and things like that? Yeah, I do like the homeopathic remedies as well. And for children over one, my, my favorite number one cough medicine is honey, mm. natural, organic, pure honey yeah. on a teaspoon it coats the throat, it helps that dry cough. 
if, if the cough is really chesty and productive, maybe that's not going to do the trick, in which case you go into a health food store, you'll find some remedies that are made for children that have other ingredients, uh, sometimes a little bit of eucalyptus or menthol or things like that in small amounts can be helpful. A pine needle as well as an ingredient, but honey is really what we have always given our son. And some of the homeopathic remedies have the homeopathic ingredients and also they're, they have honey in them as well. And, and they they seem to always be well-received. And the thing is with a lot of the other medicines, the cough medicines, even the adult strength ones, they'll have dextromethorphan or DM in them, but often they have decongestant ingredients too. And for kids, those decongestant ingredients can really affect them in a bad way, make their heart race, make them hyperactive, uh, affect their ability to sleep. So I would stay away from those things. Okay, that's good to know. And have you heard, I, th- I think the brand is Boiron, like B-O-I-R-O. Boiron, yes, yes, I like Boiron. Yeah, okay. they have good homeopathics, yes. They have a Stodol. Stodol is the cough syrup they have. Okay. Stodol, and that has honey along with some homeopathic cough ingredients. It's really good. Okay, good. Because, yeah, we, we've been using for years the, um they have like the little, I don't know. The what tablets? They, no, like it's like liquid and it's like a serum-y type liquid, like oh. a... Oh, yeah. It's like a vial that you twist off. Yes. And they have like a teething specific one, a cold specific one, and like some some other one. They have a range of pre-made remedies. So for people that aren't going to say a homeopathic doctor who, you know, can prescribe an individual concoction, you can buy other tea. I use the teething remedy for my son as well. Their cold remedy. They also have uh, another remedy for flu. So yeah, they have some good good, um, formulations. Okay, that's good. And, you know, I kind of already touched on the tummy troubles that we went through for constipation. And I want to touch on that again. But for constipation, upset tummies, what, what options do we have here? So probiotics are always one of my main recommendations for children. If your child eats a lot of good quality yogurt and drinks kefir, Mm great. Okay. What about skier? Like that, the Icelandic yeah, yeah, the super. Skier, okay. Yeah. That's what we get. Yeah. Okay. We use the skier and then we put some honey on top. Nice. We get the skier, the unsweetened, the, the plain, and then we put a little honey on top. And I always say too, like when it comes to yogurts, you have to watch because some of them that have a lot of syrups and sugars, you're better off just to buy the plain and put your own sweetener on, which is honey is great. So that is a good option. It depends. Like if it's constipation, diarrhea, you know, you could benefit from adding a soluble fiber supplement or just more soluble fiber in the forms of apples and prunes and um, berries and chia seeds are another good source of soluble fiber for upset stomach. That is like nausea, say children that maybe they're just even short trips to, to school and back, they get car sickness, nausea, ginger is a really good and the one that I love is it's by a company called the ginger people. Are you okay. familiar with their products? I am not. No. Yeah. I, I had some on my desk here, but not right now. It's, it, they have little tablets. They have ginger rescue tablets and they have them for adults and kids. Mm-hmm. They're fantastic. They're chewable and they really work well. Ginger is fantastic for helping with motion sickness, nausea, queasy stomach, things like that. So, you know, if you're in the car or a train or, if you're going on an airplane ride, most people aren't going on cruise ships or boats right now, but not the safest place to be. But 
for other motion sickness related issues. And also for women that are pregnant, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things we can't take when we're pregnant, but ginger is, is one of the things that is safe. I like the ginger chewables. Yeah. It's a chewable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These chewable tablets, the ginger people, they, their ginger is organic. So I, it's a really good quality and, and they've been in the ginger business for a long time. They make really good quality products and, and you can find them in health food stores. That's, I love ginger. Even just when it comes with my sushi, I'll eat everybody's yes. ginger. Like it's it's the tastiest. And that's like pickled ginger. There's, yeah, there pickled should be ginger. some extra properties. Yeah. So the the ginger people, they also make, they make a pickled ginger and they have ginger turmeric candies that are chewable. They're really good. They're like a toffee kind of a candy. And so it's got the ginger and the turmeric. They have ginger peanut ones and then sauces and things like that. And then they have these uh, shots as well, ginger shots and, and a syrup. Actually, you can mix the syrup with sparkling water and a little lemon and honey, make your own ginger ale. I like so that. And yeah, you know, you mentioned the honey being a good for coating the throat. Being mm-hmm. in Canada, I have to ask just because when I think of anything that's like got that consistency that is a staple, maple syrup. Any use for that or is it just too sugary? Well, maple syrup, not so much for cough. Um, Honey's actually been studied Mm -hmm. for cough. Maple syrup, I love. It's on the pancakes. It's a, we use it as a a sweetener in place of sugar. We we, we put that on our yogurt often. Yeah. And where are you based? Where do you Uh, live? Outside of Toronto. Oh, okay. For some reason, I thought you were in the US. No, you're Canadian. I am. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I am Canadian. I'm right on the border. I live in Fort Erie. So right on the border of. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. We're yeah. in Hamilton. So yeah. Very Canadian for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, maple syrup is fantastic. And and we use it like if I'm making salmon, I drizzle maple syrup on it. It's in everything. Mm-hmm. It's, it's good in everything. I will say like when you're eating breakfast on all the meat, on all the bready stuff, it's good for everything. We have uh, two friends that have uh, maple trees and they tap them Ooh. and they make maple syrup. And my son actually went out there last year and learned how to make maple syrup. That's amazing. And oh, it was so good. Those are good friends yeah. to have. A good, good friends to have. It was good <laughs> educational experience. I love them. My son could just go out there in the woods and look at the trees and how they tap oh, them gorgeous, and, then yeah. sap and then the different stages of boiling it. No, that's so cool. And Sherry, before we go, I want to let the listeners know where they can go to find you, you, your books, any of your work. And, you know, this has been such an illuminating conversation. And I learned this is the second time you've been on this podcast. Episode 83 was your first appearance. And like, thank you so much for coming on. I'm such a dummy with so much of this stuff. So it's so nice to talk to somebody who knows what they're talking about. Oh, well, thank you. It's it's a pleasure. I mean, it's like two <laughs> girls having this this uh, candid conversation. I love it. Um, yeah. For anybody that does want more info, um, the topic we were discussing, the medicine cabinet must-haves, you can go to my website. It's sherrytorkus.com. So that's S-H-E-R-R-Y-T-O-R-K-O-S. So if you go to sherrytorkus.com, I have information on what are some of those things that you should stock in your medicine cabinet to uh, keep you and your family healthy this season? and uh, links and you can read um, some of my books through my website as well. Awesome. Awesome. Sherry, thank you so much for joining me. I was going to say us again, but it's just me tonight. But thanks so much for your time and for sharing all of your knowledge with us. Yeah, I really love it. 
But Sherry, truly, thank you so much. We'll do it again. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. No, this is so helpful selfishly, like for me. Yeah. Well, I'm enjoying it too. And enjoy those little girls. I will. I will. Take care. Nice seeing you. Bye. Bye. Another day, another great interview. Good job, Sherry and Alex. Thank you, Shane. Hope you learned a lot. And I know like tough times, tough times we're living in right now. We're not really going out anywhere, but for when we start that again, I do want to have a medical cabinet stacked because I think ours is pretty sorry looking right now. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't listen to this interview, but I'm sure we need. Was Mike in on this interview? No, did you do it? Okay. Get out I don't here. know what's going on anymore. <laughs> but let's move on to something I do know a lot about listener questions. Here's what I know listeners submit questions, you help answer them. I kind of chill and see if I'm needed. This is called the mailbag segment. Let's begin. And you put the mail in the mailbag, Shane, I will say. And your your opinion and your take is much appreciated by me and the listeners. But the first question we have today, do you think that the pandemic life has changed the way we parent our children at all? I'm just saying yes. From our experience, I think in certain ways, I mean... How? Well, I think it's slightly more permissive. I think it is more screen time, more takeout, less guilt. That's something that, you know, I kind of had to let go of early on. And overall, I might kind of sit back and think, oh man, and then get guilty over some of the choices that I've made just to make life bearable. Uh, But day to day, I don't feel mom guilt over these things. And I try not to, at least like if I, if it starts creeping in, I shoot away pretty quick. But I think that in general, people are being, at least from my friends, a little bit more permissive because they're just trying to keep things cool. Nobody loses their head and just minimize tantrums. Yeah, I'm just around more. So I'm so appreciative of of the fact that I'm in the house Mm -hmm. around the children, because if it wasn't for the pandemic, I would have been at work more than nine to five, because with the commute, it's more like a seven to seven a.m. to eight p.m. job, if I'm lucky. And you never see the kids when you're living that life. We were watching an old video because Instagram can archive videos. So we went back into the stories from like three years ago. Three years ago, yeah. And Lucy was being woken up by you and her Nona. And you're talking to very baby Lou. And it's like, oh, look at her. Tomorrow's Saturday. She gets to see daddy tomorrow. Yeah. And it was a like odd. It was like, she gets to see daddy tomorrow. Oh, wait, this was pre-pandemic. This was a time when Lucy didn't get to see me at all Monday to Friday. I was up before she was up and I came home after she was already in bed. So I got two days a week. So this is a whole different experience for me in the pandemic where I'm participating in parenting so much more than I ever thought I would at this young age because in my mind I was like I guess I'm gonna step into more of a parenting role when they're old enough to stay up past 8 p.m yeah honestly watching that video yesterday it made me so misty it really got me teary-eyed because it was it was a Friday and I was like good morning sweetie it's Friday today you get to see daddy and no tomorrow you get to see daddy. sorry yeah tomorrow you get to see daddy and It was just so, it's just in such stark contrast to how we're living right now. And, you know, you have gotten to see Betty's entire development because you've been home since the day she was born. And 
it just it made me sad at the time when you were gone for so much of Lucy's. And I remember taking videos of everything and I'd send you like 15 videos a day of the things that she would do. And I'm just I'm very grateful that we're in a position that you've been home, right? And yeah. you've been able to see things. And plus, it's been very helpful to me. <laughs> and I think Betty loves me more than oh, Lucy. Yeah. Betty loves you a lot. <laughs> it's cute. All right. Next question. What do you guys do for a living? So we we broached this before, new listener. So want to address, address it again real quick. Broach it again. Broach it again. So uh, I am in education. I teach. And Shane? Okay. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> that was real quick. And I direct commercials. I also write sketches. And hopefully that could be then my next big job, which would be a showrunner for a sketch show. I'm in the works of doing that right now. Yeah. And it, we got high hopes. High hopes. But next question. I'm nervous about putting my daughter in a daycare. Do you have any advice for dealing with this transition? We kind of did it fast like a Band-Aid. But, you know, in the whole giving them off in the morning, like there's no I've always tried to remain calm, no tears, not get too emotional until I'm in the car. Is the worry COVID related or just in general? I think just in general. What helped for us and what helped Lucy get accustomed because Betty's not in daycare yet. We brought her for a couple hours like leading up, you know, the first time we brought her for one hour so she could get accustomed to the kids and the space. The second time we brought her for the morning and then the next time we brought her for the full day and it was pretty seamless. I think she didn't cry until she had been like going for a week and then maybe she just wanted to stay home one day. But she was amazing. I was emotional. But again, I didn't show that until I was like in the car alone and driving to work. But I I think so much of it is us and how we handle it. And, you know, we're excited to bring them there. It's going to be so much fun. And then just make the the drop off with the daycare provider super efficient. And I think I think you got your work cut out for you. Wait, no, that's the wrong. I think you got your work cut out for you. I think it'll be easy. It's all uphill. (laughs) It's all downhill from here. It's going to be fine. Kids like going to daycare. I would be crying if I couldn't send my kids to daycare. That would make me emotional. But yeah, ultimately, they get to play with other children. And what a great thing that is for these kids. But I'm concerned about COVID. That's my only thing. It feels like we're all going to get it. So... And that's going to be our conduit is through Lucy mm-hmm. getting yeah. it. And she's she, going to be asymptomatic and give it to us. She's the only person that's out in the real world in our life right now. Yeah. Uh, next question. If you were in a horror movie, would you die comically or would you be the last one standing at the end? Well, that's an inappropriate question. Why? Oh, horror. Shane. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. I knew what she meant. Okay. Or he. Uh, let, let me say first, I go. think you would die comically. I think I would be the last one left standing. Really? Why? Because you would have a funny comedic death. Like you'd be like in the middle of making a joke and then, you know, some serial killer would come and take out your legs and you'd kind of be like, oh, I guess it's my time or something. And, and then they have to off. die or no? No, I'm going to be alive at the end. Last one standing. You are? I feel like I'd be the last one standing. And I would comically die. Yeah, okay, you're the quintessential blonde woman who gets offed so early in it. Like, let's not kid ourselves. You are not the person who stays till the end. Yes, I am. It's only the partiers, like the kids doing bad things. Any any person who's like having sex in a horror movie, they are taken out so fast. You but- look like a person who's having a lot of sex, though. <laughs> if you're casting. I come from the casting are world. You get- Girl Next Door, like... 
you know, that's the vibe I think that they'd cast me for. And then I'm there at the end, stab the killer. And then I'm like, yes, I made it. And then I just cry because like everybody I know has died. See, I'm the type who where the twist is either that I am the killer or it's that I survive. That's my role. I'm not dying. I'm either killing or living. <laughs> Truly. I like that you're putting yourself in the role of the killer. If it was a movie like Scream, that's mm. how I would be cast. It would I would be the killer or the person who survives. No, I could see that. I could see that. All right, next question. Along the lines of horror movies. <clears throat> Faking orgasms. Is it ever okay to do it? So, Shane, you start. I find when I do them, <laughs> it's... No, uh, I've, I've never done it. I, I've heard guys can do it. I haven't done it, but... It, Receiving a fake orgasm, like hearing one from a woman, I don't know. That's weird. Well, would why, you even why know? bother? I don't know. I would think I would know. Yeah. So you know, it might seem like, and I'm of the mindset where, like, maybe sometimes, you know what? Do it. Fake it. If Have you, you ever just... faked it with me, Alex? <laughs> me? You have. I can't believe you. That's ridiculous. Why? Why would you do that? <laughs> well, look. Why? I, I don't know if I have. I'm just, I'm laughing because I don't know. Why would you even think of it? <laughs> think I care? Well, I just you know want to turn over and. I, me too. Me too. And that's maybe why if I have faked it, I would have faked it because I'm ready for sleep. But it is actually detrimental to fake orgasms. And I look of this course. up. Well, no, because, you know, typically, I mean, your partner probably won't know, but it can actually make having a real orgasm harder to achieve. So faking it uh, leads to a disconnect with your bodily sensations, according to Gracie Landes, who's a sex and family therapist in New York. And it can actually like change your perceptions of pleasure and like actually chemically do that and it can be really hard to then have a proper orgasm you know at a later date or in the future was this when we were dating or like recently <laughs> probably early on when we were dating no uh, probably not when we were dating this is we all just more time. offensive this is so offensive no but I, I think with women and i think sometimes maybe why they will do that instead of you know going through is maybe because they aren't comfortable saying, oh, do this, do that, and kind of saying what they like. And I, I think women are often scared and have shame about what they like. And then they fake orgasm because, you know, there's not, it's not going to happen because they don't want to say what they like. Well, I'm hurt. You know what I like. I'm just saying I'm hurt. That's fine. <laughs> I guess hurt people hurt people. So maybe you're hurt too. <laughs> Okay, next question. Is it possible to be friends with an ex? No. I think you can trick yourself into thinking that you're friends. Like if I've ever, you can be friendly and you can be kind. But if it was a, if you were in love and it was a passionate relationship, I don't think you can actually be friends and have it equal on both sides. Both people feeling totally platonic. I think that is it could happen, but I think it is so rare. Yeah, I think anything is possible, but probably not. Yeah. Like, not possible for me, probably, and to have a happy relationship with the person I'm with. Yeah. I, I couldn't imagine, you know, if my partner had a tough time with it, tr like fighting for the friendship. 
Because if you're fighting for a friendship with an ex and it's like upsetting your partner, that's kind of, that's kind of weird. Like right? you can't even have a podcast with another man without me flying off the handle. <laughs> flying off like the imagine handle. <laughs> Mike was your ex and your new <laughs> podcast co-host. Ugh. Okay. Uh, oh, I like this question. Can women ever win when it comes to aging? They get criticized if they get work done and if they don't. So this makes me think of, you know, the whole thing around the Sex in the City campaign. You know, when And Just Like That started coming out and we see photos of Carrie and Charlotte and Miranda looking old and people are, you know, saying, oh, Carrie, oh, Miranda looks terrible, but oh, Carrie looks terrible. Maybe she should get work done. Maybe um, Miranda should get work done and Charlotte's had too much done. And it, it was so loud and there was so much talk and it was frustrating. I don't think that there's a right way to get older my only and I I don't think that right now women can win in that situation, but I think we can fight towards that. And the only way to do that is to, you know, get in a place of feeling comfortable in our own skin, whether that is not getting stuff done and feeling good about it and exuding that kind of confidence and self-love. Or, hey, if you like the aesthetic of getting stuff done, get it and exude that confidence and just do it and kind of fuck what everybody else says and live that and I think once people realize that we don't care what they think then it stops being such a hot topic of conversation because then nobody partakes you know what I mean yeah totally I think as long as you feel good that's all that matters but it's probably hard to feel good if you're getting criticized so if you're somehow able to do the magic trick which is blocking out what other people are saying or thinking or Mm. if you can stop caring somehow you've won the aging battle that's the big challenge obviously guys don't seem to have that problem i don't think i've ever thought about aging at all so to me it's so moot even with women i've never even thought about them aging so i'm kind of in a weird thing where i don't care if people look ugly or old or <laughs> hot or not like it doesn't matter right mm-hmm. and a lot of people think looking old is so bad but i don't feel that way no like and people think looking old means you're ugly or something well that's the whole thing it's like you're ugly you have nothing to offer mm-hmm. all this and they equate age with just inadequacy in so many ways which is bullshit and we need to we need to get away from but we can only do that again within ourselves and collectively, because then if there's still women bashing other women for getting stuff done or for not getting stuff done, then we we can't move on. You know, we kind of need to team together before we can force everybody else to accept that way of thinking, too. Yeah, it's very tricky. I, I don't envy women being put in that position. No, it's the worst. But next question. Shane and I actually watched a new movie this week, new to us movie hilarious movie unintentionally hilarious indecent proposal with woody harrelson and demi moore and in that movie demi moore is offered a million dollars by a sexy older robert redford and to sleep with him or to spend the night with him and then you know can make her and woody who's her husband their dreams come true whatever she takes the offer. It leads to, you know, stuff, you know, in their marriage and whatnot. Demi wasn't faking it that night with Robert Redford. <laughs> because, spoiler, it comes out that she had a very good time with Robert Redford. Yes. So the question here is, would you or Shane ever do that? So in Decent Proposal, Shane, 
Robert Redford uh, says he's, or Demi Moore offers you and I a million dollars to spend the night with them. And maybe maybe it's more than a million if we did the whole inflation thing, but it could make our house dreams come true. Like we could get the basement done. We could raise the roof, put dormers in. I think, yes, obviously we discussed this. Of course, we'd both do it. <laughs> now, the only real question of note is what's the least amount we would take? A mill. A mill? So 500,000, you're not doing it. That's a bold face lie, Alex. Maybe five hundo, okay. Five hundo. Yeah. You're not doing it for one hundo, though. No, 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 no. Half of the, half of that would be going to therapy after. If you get to sleep with Robert Redford, no. If though, I get to sleep with Robert Redford, I don't need therapy money. But if you, you probably don't even need money to <laughs> get a hundred thousand. But if you are sleeping with Demi Moore, then I'm gonna need fifty thousand to go towards my therapy. Okay, so you get fifty G's out of it. That's not enough for you. No, no. Okay. Not enough. That's like you know maybe we could put in a bathroom mm -hmm. in the basement and that's it okay everything's over the clothes it's just no, kissing no because i don't want you to think about that i don't want you to remember that i want to like get in your brain and take those memories out shane i'm very jealous i wouldn't be able to handle that i can't i could barely handle this question last question Ugh. ear nibbling only no you like ear nibbling i don't want her to do that to you i, I it makes me sick hey what let's keep our uh <laughs> Private, private. Okay. <laughs> like ear nibbling. Okay, go. My kid is three and has an imaginary friend. Do I just go along with it? Is it an okay thing? So I looked this up. Imaginary friends are super common and normal. They're manifestations for many kids across like all this development. And by the age of seven, 65% of kids have had an imaginary friend. I don't even think the kids believe that they have an imaginary friend. I think it's fun for them to pretend and that's what they're imagining. Mm -hmm. But do you think kids really think they have a friend and they somehow believe in it? I don't know. I don't know. think so. I don't know. I think it's maybe bullshit. it starts off as a thing where it's like, oh, they're pretending, but then they really do get emotional support and like fun times through this friend. So then it kind of is real, right? If you're, if you're feeling fulfilled and like happy. It's like a daydream. It's like when I'm, Pretending I'm hearing steel drums or something. It's just a fantasy <laughs> that, hey, I'm on vacation. Is that a common daydream for you? You're I, hearing steel drums? Sometimes I'll imagine what it would be like to be on a vacation for a second. <laughs> and it, I can somewhat feel a little bit more relaxed. Did you but ever? I don't feel like I'm on vacation. Did you ever have an imaginary friend? No. I can't. No. I, I didn't even watch cartoons as a kid. I wasn't very fantasy type person. Mm-hmm. Why do you look at me like that? Well, because you all you love hanging your hat on. I don't I didn't hang... believe in Santa Claus. I didn't have an imaginary friend. I was a little adult. If I hang my hat on something that's <laughs> true, you know, I watched Woody Woodpecker. That was one cartoon I watched. I liked Sesame Street, mm -hmm. but I didn't. I and Simpsons. You I liked Bugs Bunny, right? Hated Bugs Bunny. I thought what I Animaniacs. Even, I, I liked Animaniacs and Tiny Toons, but that was the my lead in right. to. The Simpsons world. I hated Bugs Bunny and all those cartoons. I thought they were so boring. I couldn't watch an animated movie. I've only seen Lion King, Aladdin. What's another hit? I've never seen The Little Mermaid in my life. Right. Peter Pan? No. I've only watched the big Disney hits that are... I've never watched Toy Story until way late. And only one of them. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm telling you, I'm not a cartoon person. This I... isn't me hanging my hat. I'm just... <laughs> I'm not bragging that I don't have a great imagination. 
but it's funny too as a creative person now you know it's just it developed for you creativity different am i able to watch a superhero movie oh now, no but i can't anything I can't like either. that yeah no I, I get that what's my favorite film documentaries mm -hmm. series all of that it has to be real what's my favorite book a biography it for me, I can't. I don't do pretend well. No, I I hear you. I understand that. My my dad's kind of the same way in that too. Um, whereas I I love a fantasy. I love a great fantasy. But bet you do. You and Robert next Redford. Next question: Where did you record your first podcast? So our first podcast was done in the house, but then we also no it wasn't no the very first one no it wasn't that was done at the studio. Yes, I thought we did it at the house and then went to the studio. Nope. Wow. Okay, so our very first podcast was recorded at a friend of a friend's uh, film studio. Digital Canaries. Guess, Digital it's called Canaries. Digital Canaries. Yeah, they, they've shot shows like Designated Survivor there. Very strange experience because all they did at this studio was have a couch very similar to the one we have <laughs> and make it look like our living room. It was a Wayne's World-esque experience where our living room was just in another studio yeah. with three cameras pointed at us for some reason i had i was holding a baby yes but not a real baby like a lifelike looking baby and the gimmick was i was just holding it the whole time it was odd it was a call-in show so oh my god we this podcast used to be not so much us talking to each other taking calls from listeners even though we didn't have listeners yet but through your instagram account you'd get people's phone numbers they would call in and we would be like Loveline with Dr. Yes. Drew and Adam Carolla. And it's actually really funny because at that time when we first started, we had like 5,000 followers and we were still getting like, you know, three or four numbers every episode. Five or six. It was hilarious. I, I can't believe that that many people were so happy to give us their phone numbers. Not that everybody picked up or were like sober when they picked up. but Yeah, because when I say callers to make the show work, we would have to call them mm -hmm. because we wouldn't know how long each phone call would be. Yeah. And but, it was Saturday night. And so we shot, we were very excited because it was filmed. It looked beautiful. And then episode two came around and the studio was booked. <laughs> and we were like, this isn't tenable for this show to work. We're going to have to do this from the comfort of our own home. So we used to film yes. every episode of the podcast with three cameras. And I attempted to edit that every oh week. Oh, my God. Third episode, I was like, okay, we're switching to one camera. 10 episodes in, I was like, we're not filming the show anymore. And you were really disappointed by well, that. Well, because I liked the promos we would do, but how much easier it is to set up, to edit, to not have to get ready. Like you and I are both in our sweaty Peloton clothes right now. Mm -hmm. It feels great. I love this. I love how we're doing it. I do kind of miss the live calls though, because they were just weird. Yeah. And I love that kind of weirdness. Maybe we should like do an episode soon just, you know, to pay homage to that first one and do a live call episode. At the time, it didn't seem weird, but now I feel like I'd be too nervous or something. I love the idea. I love the idea. I want to get people's take. If you like the idea, please tell me. Okay, episode 200, we'll do it. 150. 150. Okay. Oh, okay, beautiful. So does Shane, this one is the funny one. Does Shane regret his Instagram handle? I wish it was just his name. So do you regret Shane Daddy 83 no, um, maybe <laughs> it's weird. I changed it from Shaney Boy 69 <laughs> and people were disappointed when I changed it from Shaney Boy 69 and everyone was saying I sold out by changing it to Shane Daddy. 
I, I was like, guys, listen, people are still going to think it's sexual. I'm Shane Daddy 83. <laughs> so people seeing it for the first time think it's odd. But people who have known me forever think it's the uncoolest, most dad-like name in the world. Which, of course, it's not. Daddy has an something attached to it that's sexualized, which to me makes it kind of funny in a way. But to other people, they probably think it's very inappropriate. Other people think it's uncool. I can't win. I'm pleasing no one with this handle. (laughs) That being said, I like it. (laughs) I like it too. I think it's fun. What are some of your favorite podcasts to listen to? I don't have time for podcasts because the only time I would listen prior to the pandemic is when I'd be driving to and from work. But that being said, maybe like if we're doing a big cleaning day, I'll listen. I only listen to two other podcasts. Uh, That is Dan Carlin's Hardcore History. If you're a history buff, he does like sometimes like 12 hour episodes that he'll break them up into parts on, you know, the rise of the Japanese empire on just different things. Like it's just so awesome. He's so good at it. And then, of course, Mike on Much, which is Shane's other podcast with Mike Veerman and Max Kerman uh, from the Arkells. And it's it's a hilarious podcast. Like you, I forgot how much I missed listening to it. I listened to a couple episodes like last week when I was cleaning. And you guys make me smile like the whole time. Oh, you're welcome. But changes might be coming soon for that podcast. Just a heads up. Yes. Keep so. your ears open if you're a listener. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shane, what about you? Favorite pause? Jeez, I listen to, I'm going to get killed for this. I listen to Joe Rogan to fall asleep every (laughs) night. But I just, I think he has interesting guests. I'm not with any like right wing ideologies or anything. Um, But yeah, I'll get killed for that. I I use podcasts mostly to fall asleep. Armchair Expert, Mark Maron's WTF. Um, Oh, this is important. It's a, a very good hangout type podcast. It's like a very crude version of Mike on Much. And, you know, I'm a silly guy. So You're a silly that's what guy. I'm listening to. Uh, final question. Would you live your lives differently if money wasn't an option? What would you change? I think I would uh, ditch the working for other people and solely do stuff on our own personally. I, see, I don't know when you're done talking. <laughs> like, usually you say, what about you, Shane? I thought I had my hand resting on my chin or my chin resting on my hand. And I don't I was know looking what that at means. you directly. So what would I do now? I wouldn't live differently. Maybe if I had a bunch of money, I would, and it wasn't COVID, I would go to sit courtside at NBA basketball games. Nice. Yeah. That'd be my favorite thing to do. Maybe more vacations. Oh, more vacations. It's hard to take vacations unless it's just an insane amount of money. If it's like five hundred well, million, th- that's what I think she's saying. If money was no problem, okay, then yes. But who wouldn't? I know vacations and yeah, work for ourselves because I wouldn't want to not like I wouldn't want a life of purely leisure. Although I, I could would. do that, but I I would like to have projects. Like Shane and I love having little projects, even if it is in the leisure category. Like even if we are playing a video game. We like to have little projects in that. Like we did a thousand and one levels of our one video game because that's like the mega achievement. Yeah, I would enter video game competitions. I would do a sketch show that I self-fund and I just get it on air somehow, whether it's good or not. But having these challenges of not having all the money 
it does sharpen you in a way. It makes oh, yeah. you actually have to be really good. So yeah. I think a sketch show I do where I'm not self-funding is a lot better than one that I am self-funding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I I agree so much. There is so much motivation and not even desire, but need to be better. Yeah, Otherwise, you got to be yeah. so good they can't ignore you, which exactly. is a Steve Martin quote, which I like. But Shaney Boy, that's all we got. That's it. That's all. Please give us a five-star rating. Leave us a comment. But if you can't, I get it. It's, <laughs> it's hard to take two seconds to do that. <laughs> anyway, thanks so much for listening to This, this Family, Family Tree, Tree Podcast, Podcast, episode 116.